Good evening. Hello. Hello. Um, you're listening to Historically Speaking on Sin Nation. I'm Alex. I'm Andrew. And we've got a we've got a pretty good show lineup. Like we're going to talk. We're talking sport in Melbourne. I think so. Oh, well, we, we, we're aiming for like a more Melbourne focus. It's got to spread about. But <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it started in Melbourne. Then we moved to Ballarat. Then Bendigo. Then Mildura. And then South Australia. And eventually, I don't know. We're including Antarctica. Yeah. Somehow. Uh, somehow. S- s- somehow. Somehow we ended up in New South Wales. But we don't <laughs> so, talk about that era. No, it's, a, um, it's never a good start to a story. No, never good to start to a story. And but, but uh, for now, we're going to get you in the spirit with a bit of up there, Kazali. We're here. We're here to do a show for the next four weeks, all about the uh, history of Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, this week, as you said, is a sport. Um, yeah. So let's yeah, let's not run into it. But uh, every week, yeah, looking at different facets of Melbourneian history. That was up there, Kazali, by Mike Brady, um, otherwise known as the man who so- comes out every AFL Grand Final day and then just goes <laughs> home. <laughs> and then you never hear him from another year. I don't think he exists during the rest of the year. I think he only spawns on the day before Grand Final day and then leaves the day after. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, like no, Adelaide in the lead-up, he just... Oh, 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 oh. Start off the show with, with up there Gazali and a dash of the, uh, a dash dash of the Adelaide supporters. But, uh, yeah, but yeah. I, um, but yeah, so we're going to talk footy, talking the history of the football. Indeed. Specifically, Aussie rules football. Yeah. We should, you should say that it's not AFL. AFL is the league. AFL, well, I don't know, do you call it Aussie rules, Alex, or AFL? Um, well, generally, I, I, I call it AFL, because um, it's, it's really the major league. But yeah, it is yeah. Aussie. Like, if I'm talking about the sport itself, Indeed. just by itself, I call it Aussie rules. Exactly. But uh, but anyway, this is uh, this is yeah. We the reason why we played uh, up there Gazali is because we are going to yeah talk about all the history of Aussie rules football AFL. Technically, it shouldn't be known as AFL uh, until 1991. Yeah, when they actually started the AFL. Indeed. Although, as you say, there's one interesting fact. Where at the very start of Aussie rules, an interesting fact that you pointed out is that. Uh, the, the VFL, which has always been the strongest, the sort of most well-known, the most populated, the most followed uh, of the state leagues, was actually the second state, actually section league to start up. It was actually the Sandfall to start up. First. Yeah, the Sandfall was started up like a couple of years earlier than the. So there was a there was like before before any of the leagues started, they actually had this like massive meeting for some reason. Yes. And like all the different leagues, like they went off and they were like, all right, we'll make state leagues. And then, you know, join together and stuff. Yeah. Um, but when they did that, they... Sandful got up off the ground first and then the VFL started as well as the VFA. Yeah. Um, which is now what the VFL... Which is now the VFL. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there was like... It was just by like two years, but yeah, South Australia got yeah. the edge on. They got ahead, yeah. They made a head start in those yeah. two years. It's paid off. Yeah, which means that Port Adelaide is like the oldest, one of the oldest clubs. Yeah, yeah, that's the bizarre thing. Port Adelaide is actually started in uh, 18, 1890, 1886, I believe, 1886. 1886, jeez. Uh, yes, yeah, one, uh, one of the earliest clubs to sort of join... Uh, Talking all the other clubs. However, we should say that that wasn't the start of Aussie Rules as a sport. No. No. The original sport was, according to legend anyway, by most accounts, the first ever game of AFL football was played on the 31st of June, 1858, between... Uh, oh, oh, Scotch College and, I'm going to say, uh, uh, Xavier? Close. Melbourne Grammar. Oh, Melbourne Xavier Grammar. Xavier probably want to think it's Xavier. But, uh, yeah, the first ever, first ever game, I believe Scotch College won. Oh. I had a, did a big digging. No, neither team wants to mention it for good sport, but I'm pretty sure. 
I'm pretty sure it was Scotch College that won. Yeah. And they've been lordering over the rest of the rest of the league for that forever. I mean, that'd um, be a pretty rad thing to to um to be like, oh, this is my claim. This is our school's claim to fame. We played in the first Aussie Rules match. Oh, I'm sorry. What did your school do? What? <laughs> um, but yeah, so Scotts College played. But when was like the first VFL game? First VFL game, I believe, was in. Uh, 1891, I believe it was. Eight, sorry, 1896 was established. Okay. The six strongest clubs: Collingwood, Essendon, Fitzroy, Geelong, Melbourne, and South Melbourne. The six strongest clubs. Do you know? Uh, notice that Hawthorne is admitted there. I am. Uh, I, I would like to admit that I am currently wearing my Hawthorne jumper while we talk about football. Indeed, you, you admit um, that. You don't yeah. take pride in that. I take pride in it. It's a Hawthorne jumper. Uh, um, yeah, the Hawth- the Hawks, or they were known then as the Maybelooms. Um, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, they they sort of they, they they were like not quite around at the point. Like admittedly like it's gotten there. We've gotten there. We're in the yeah, AFL now. Okay. We're doing better than you are. <laughs> so for a new club like you, you've done all right over the last 110 years. Yeah, um Hawthorne joined the AFL in like 1960. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but we were founded in 1902. That was when the Hawthorne Football Club was founded. Indeed. Um, entered into the uh, VFA in 1925. What did the VFA actually stand for? It was the Victorian uh, Football, Football Association. Association, yeah. Definitely. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so that was, they were pretty, pretty much the same. I think they both operated as separate leagues playing with different teams. Yeah, different, different teams, different leagues. They were actual different leagues. Yeah. Um, and then in 1897, for the second year of the VFL, Carlton and St Kilda joined it. So by that point, there were eight teams. Collingwood, Essendon, Fitzroy, Geelong, Melbourne, South Melbourne, Carlton and St Kilda. Um, it's interesting that there were so many teams start up so quickly. That was, that was one thing that, that amazed me the first time I started studying it because other sports seem to build over time. Yeah, like it, I, but I feel, like, I feel like there were other clubs, but they just needed a league. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, just, just looking around saying, we've got this game. We, we really enjoy playing people. What we need is a league. We need, we, 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 we've got really good at kicking the ball through goals and hand passing and bouncing all that. But it wouldn't be great if we could find another team to play it against. Yeah. I mean, like, because in, um, in 1873, there was a Hawthorne Football Club. Yes. But it wasn't the current Hawthorne Football Club. Um, it was just a, a, they met at the Hawthorne um, Hotel. Yes, so yeah. they were like, all right. Um, yeah. They founded then, and then, but there's probably been actually three different, this is the third Hawthorne Football Club sort of thing. So you said they're like, called, yeah. Yeah, they, they were called the Maybloom's like really early in their history, and then they were like. Sounds like a folk band. Um, they were like, you know what? Hawks are cool. Let's go with Hawks. <laughs> Hawks, um, Hawks are a lot more threatening than Maybloom's. Y- yeah. Um, the, the worst that a Maybloom can probably do is give you a bit of allergy. Yeah, so like in their first years, they were the Mayblooms. Right. Um, but yeah, so then in Roy Kazali, um gave gave the name of it was is reported to have given the name the nicknames of the Hawks rather than uh, <laughs> yeah rather than uh, rather than the, uh, Mayblooms. No, the Mayblooms. No, it's, yeah, that's probably why. So of course it was Kazali that got the credit for that. Yeah, because um, he was the coach of Hawthorne. Exactly, yeah, yeah. 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 That was his first bold move. It was more of a rebranding than a coaching strategy. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, on the subject of teams joining the VFL and uh, and the establishment of the VFL, of course that was in eighteen ninety six, but that wasn't when the team started. They did play for their own independent local leagues. The oldest team was not actually a Melbourne team, it was Geelong in eighteen fifty nine. Oh, really? The first existing organized uh, 
club, which is now part of the AFL, um, and it's still the test of time for the last hundred and I'm not very good at maths. Hundred and six. What was the year? Eight, 59, 1859, 1859. One sec. Minus <laughs> so one the power eight, of Google, five, the power nine. of eye calculator. Ah. 159. 159 years. Yep. It's been Geelong, followed closely by Carlton uh, and North Melbourne and Essendon all in 1864, St Kilda in 1873, South Melbourne in 1874, and Footscray in 1877. You know, um, you mentioned a team that doesn't... That I I don't really, I don't I don't think I've seen play in the AFL or the VFL. South Melbourne, yeah, where's South Melbourne at? Where'd they go? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. They just they just disappear one day. Uh, it's going to be the great mystery of the AFL. Uh, South Melbourne. All jokes aside, South Melbourne <laughs> did go and form the Sydney Swans. Indeed, and it was that move that caused it to become the AFL in yeah. 1991. Um, they did that in the same reason they set up uh, GWS and Gold Coast in 2011 and 2012, respectively, to try and tackle that kind of, no pun intended, try and tackle that uh, rugby-heavy, rugby-centric East Coast. And it's and mostly actually, worked. And actually, I should, if you mention that, I would also like to m- point out that there's similar venture today. Yeah. Um, not today, today, but like AFLX is another similar venture in that it's a sport played on a square field. Yeah. It's a sport played on a rugby field. So like, yeah. there's been this thing where like it hasn't quite grasped in in the northern like New South Wales and Queensland. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Like, mm. Brisbane's sort of taken off with it now, so is Sydney, but I think that's due to success of their clubs. Yeah, and Gold Coast, anywhere in sort of rural Queensland is still pretty rugby-centric. Yeah, and Gold Coast struggles. Most, mm. Apparently, mostly it's just expats and, like, Victoria that follow it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But, yeah, like, so there's definitely... There's definitely... The AFL has always had issues trying to expand in. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's why yeah. we have Sydney. It is a it is a relatively new sport, isn't it? It's probably one of the younger sports in the world, which is why it's able to be so commercial and so dynamic and trying to tackle. It is it is still a sense. I, I don't think, think rugby. Sense. I don't think rugby outdates it by that much. Actually, really? uh, rugby was first played in eighteen seventy one. Rugby Union. You're joking? No. Oh. Founded at the school called Rugby. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Just like Aussie Rules was founded in a school, so was rugby. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was the thing. Like rugby, rugby and AFL are both sports that aren't that old. No, um, it might have just been that depending on where you were, like it took off because mm. I don't know. Maybe if, you just preferred playing rugby. Well, I mean, both sports never require big plane areas. Yeah, um, and Aussie rules is even is particularly young. Sport. Sorry, eighteen forty-five. The first football rules were written by for rugby. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, so, as opposed to eighteen fifty-eight for Aussie rules. Yeah, Aussie Rules is a young sport. However, it does have ancient roots. There's a lot of significant evidence to suggest that Tom Wills, who we'll get to in a minute, yeah. uh, took extreme influence from Mangrook, which is a local uh, a game played by the local indigenous tribes around Victoria, uh, particularly in the Western District, which has a lot of yeah. similarities which to is modern what, day. Which, he, which was where he was living at the time. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Um, and and uh, and and basically, Mangrook is is. Uh, it does share a lot of things with Aussie rules in the sense it was it was one of the few. It, it also involved kicking a ball, um, usually made of possum skin or an inflated kangaroo stomach, um, and involved a large plane area. It even yeah. had involved it involved tossing up the ball. The only yeah. interesting thing about Mangrook is that players weren't allowed to touch. Um, and uh, uh, I believe it's true that they weren't allowed to touch the knees, elbows, hands, arms, legs, body, or head of the. Uh, of the of the person, really? it had to be moved. In a, it had to be moved using as as um, using something other than the main limbs. 
Well, which required some dexterity and uh, and. And I guess yeah. made a bit like soccer in that regard. I remember reading about Mangrook, and it pointed out um, one of the interesting about ma- things about Mangrook is that it also involved um, taking marks, basically. Yes, yeah. Um, although interestingly enough, like it was like the leaping high marks, but those those are also a inter- they're also a um uh, uh they're they're um they're actually a m- thing about the. M- modern game yeah. it's not a they're not a um it's it's, it's a relatively new phenomenon yeah, the jumping yeah, yeah, yeah it's relatively yeah. new like in like inter- like when Aussie, Aussie Rules yeah um started like they had the mark like which was apparently was it when you saying when you were reading the rules for Scotch College that they took they grabbed the ball yelled out Mark and <laughs> so, hoped that the guy named Mark didn't turn around and get distracted <laughs> so, so, yeah it was very confusing for people called Mark yeah the people would go to, Mark what what is it so oh no nothing just catching the ball the, uh, yes that, yeah that like so Marks have been around since the start of AFL indeed um it's in, yeah, and it was quite quite sort of revolutionary to have marking in that in those days that was one of the first things that separated Aussie rules in those early days from other sports like rugby or soccer is that they did catch the ball in rugby you just pass it and in soccer your hands aren't allowed near the ball so to actually be throwing the ball up gave it a new energy and a new sort of visceralness viscerality yeah to uh to to the movement so tell me more about Tom Wills quickly Tom Wills uh, was born in 1831 in the western district of Victoria yeah uh, his family lived on a on a uh, on a uh, pasture um, oh, yeah. I don't know what they grew grain wheat potatoes I don't know what they grew the 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 the, 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 the crop of choice back in those days um, and uh, and and but he uh, he grew up in a part of Victoria which still had some connection to its uh, well it still had significant um, indigenous indigenous local heritage there was still there was still a lot of uh, they, they essentially didn't grow up amongst the indigenous tribes in the area but they it was an area where the culture was still fairly yeah. untouched un, un and so it, there's a lot of evidence to show that Tom Wills actually went and uh, went and, and, and spent his childhood playing with, with indigenous mm. children and learned indigenous games um, where he uh, where he is actually it's a, the Mangkuk is the one that's quite well known there's another game that, uh, that the indigenous people particularly in the western district played uh, that I'm trying to find exactly what, uh, what it was called but it was that, that is also had several aspects of um of modern Aussie rules, which is believed to have influenced Tom Wills when he was creating the game. Um, um, uh, um, I wouldn't, yeah, like, the, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of stuff. The other thing about AFL is the fact, sorry, Aussie rules. Um, <laughs> so, once I caught that. Yeah, yeah, I caught that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different little aspects about Aussie rules, I think. They make it really a much more interesting sport rather than. Um, yeah. It's it's a totally unique game. Yeah, there aren't many. No, nowhere. Only places. Actually, that reminds me. Before the war, AFL was. Oh, sorry, Aussie Rules mm. was a lot was more international. Yes. Not like these expi- exhibition games that they were playing. <laughs> there was 114 teams, 15 yeah. teams in New Zealand in 80, by 1908. Yeah. Yeah. But now there are like nowhere near as many. No. No. I think that's also be- one because of the war and two like it was a lot of Australian influence. It's yeah. like it's like if you probably go to like any AFL team outside of Australia, sorry, Aussie Rules team. Got to stop. <laughs> you put Andrew it in my head. This long lecture about you, it. This one. It's like, you it's put like it in you... my head, Andrew. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like any Aussie Rules teams, they 
differences is that of um their um is that a lot of it was probably just Aussie expats wanting to play a bit of footy. Yeah. Like it like as the um Libba thing where he was playing in Vietnam, like they, they do play it in other countries. <laughs> so, yeah. Um like, you know, it's not just expats, but yeah. No, it has taken off. It's it's also played quite a lot in uh, in in England and Ireland. Hence the connection with the Gaelic football, um, and, and which is and why we play international rules with Ireland. And New Zealand, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a, that could be that could be good. And um, uh, and New Zealand as well. I'm gonna we're gonna go to a song now. This is six and out. Um, can't throw, can't but bowl. Definitely. Um, I'd like to leave you on a fun fact. Hawthorne is the most successful AFL team since. Since the since the Second World War. Thank you. I'd like to leave you with another fun fact. Essendon is the most successful team. Full stop. Enjoy one, the song. One of them. Actually, we should just point Didn't out one other thing. Did you tie with Collingwood? <laughs> so, in case you detected a bit of a riff between us, it's purely because he. I am. A, I'm an Essendon supporter and a normal person, and he is a Hawthorne supporter. And 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 also uh, a normal person. <laughs> uh, and uh, and inevitably, out uh, the the clash between our two teams is going to create poison in the air. But uh, that said, speaking of uh, poison in the air and riffs, please let us know on uh, our Facebook page. Uh, uh, historically speaking, radio. On yeah, Facebook, let us word. know what you think. If you've got any other interesting historical facts about the history of Aussie rules or the history of Melbourne in general, let us know. And yeah. stay tuned because we'll be putting lots of stuff up there. Anyway, carry it away. What song is this? Sorry? Uh, this is Can't Throw, Can't Bowl, Can't Throw by Six and Out. You're listening nice. to Historically Speaking on Sin Nation. That was Can't Bowl, Can't Throw. Um, quick, quick trivia question. Yeah. Which Australian cricketer, which fa- who is the most famous Australian cricketer in that? <laughs> so, in that band, I'll give you a hint. He's also known for eating seven wheat biscuits. <laughs> that narrows it down to about seven or eight hundred. Probably uh, is it Brettley? Yeah, it is Binger. It is. He's pretty good. It's him, his brother, and a few other cricketers. Some a few, of, a few some other. Of, some of them who only played first class. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a few other more. F- a few other more famous Australian cricketers also wanted to join the band, but they weren't musically talented enough. That's not bad, is it? For for if Brettley, if you're listening, well done. Yeah, so we're, we're, it's a bit generic, but it, it's not bad for an ex cricketer. Yeah, they're they're disbanded. Did he? Um, did he? Uh, he played the guitar in that, didn't he? Or was he? Yeah, bass? Um, yeah. Brettley is the guitarist. Incredible. He's also played in. He's also been in some Bollywood movies. Um, I've nice. seen one of them. It's actually not bad. Fantastic. I actually really enjoyed it. As his Wikipedia's page, Brettley says he's a Bollywood actor, singer, songwriter, oh, and Australian test cricketer. Yeah. Oh, and. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of the reason why we played that is because we moved from the uh, national sport of Aussie rules to the history of cricket in Melbourne. Yes, yes. Which cricket, is, cricket has been around as soon as Europeans got off their boats. Indeed, indeed. They brought it. It came along with all the, with all the good and less good things that the Europeans brought to Australia. Yep. Um, but yeah, so so cricket was cricket started up. The MCC by itself has been around since 1842. Yeah. In um, fact, there's actually an 18. Uh, there's actually an MCC that dates back to the 1820s, the Manchester Cricket Club. Are you sure it's not the Marylebone? Marylebone, that's right. Yeah, the Cricket Club. Yeah. Yeah, the um, the one that's the one that was like, hey, hey, we're the one that decides rules for cricket, <laughs> and then eventually they formed the ICC based on that. But it actually took, it actually took a while for them to do it. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, it, the Mar the Mar uh, Mary Lebone Cricket Club, the MCC, the other MCC, yeah. was eighteen eighty seventeen eighty seven. Right. 
Um, but they... Seventeen eighty-seven. Yeah. Um, but basically, it's a bit weird. Um, copyright is still of the rules of cricket is still owned by the MCC. Right. Um, the first MCC, not the Melbourne MCC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's I- interesting because they they were they were technically the English cricket team. Imagine getting sued for breach of copyright on the rules of cricket. Yep. Like you you play cricket in the exact same rules as somewhere else, and the Marylebone Cricket Club go what? Yep. No. Yep. Throwing the book at you. That was we we owned it. We thought of it first. And that was that was in that was in England, but of course in in well in Melbourne cricket basically started in 1834 with the arrival of English colonists. The MCC started up in 1842. Just say. Yeah, um, the MCC started up in 1838, sorry. Right. And the MCG, uh, the MCG, the Melbourne Cricket Ground, known by as many other things as the G. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, the the G was given to them by Parliament. They were like, you can have this spot, which was, I think, smaller and closer to the city, or you yeah. can have what, what later became where the G is and where the sports precinct is. And they were like, all right, we'll go take the sports precinct area. <laughs> and then, yeah, they get we're given it, and yeah, and they thought, what do we need? We need sanitation. Yeah, they, were, they were offered Spencer. They were offered um Spencer near Spencer Street. Ah, oh. imagine that! If they imagine they put the MCG where Spencer where Spencer Street Station is now, you'd just be you'd be having commuters running across during the middle of yeah. the third ashes. Um, it was started up in 1853, which is very early. It was yeah, like, like not yeah. much was in Melbourne during that time. <laughs> no, no, it would have been gold. a port. Um, a, yeah, a port, a customs house, a pub, and a, a world famous cricket club. Yeah. Of course, back then though, the stadium was only the alleged stadium was only ten meters long, which is yeah. pathetic. There was there was um, by the time that by the time that they first held a match in eighteen fifty six against mm. well, first played New South Wales. They played Tasmania before that, but yeah. there were issues with that considering that the uh, the Victorians were offering people money. Ah. For to play cricket, which which is was a non popular decision at the time because this is during a period where, like, the idea of a professional sportsman almost did not exist. Yeah, you didn't play sport for money. You had a real job, yeah, like real job. Sport was like, recreation. Sport was re- sport was recreation, mm. and or like it, most athletes, like a lot of athletes, even in like AFL and stuff, up yeah. until like pretty recently. Even as late as the 80s. Still. Yeah, were like semi-professional. Yeah, like yeah. they had other jobs that they went to and then came to trainings. There's stuff. a fantastic story. Uh, going back to the Aussie rules quickly, there's a fantastic story. I couldn't find who it was, but there's a story I remember somewhere of uh, in 19, the 1945 Grand Final, which was one of the craziest for a number of reasons. A, a player actually worked on the railways in the morning, then went to the pub and had a counter lunch and then caught the tram down to the ground for their grand final. I can't remember which player it was, but that is the kind of lifestyle they led back then. And as a funny little side to that, uh, in 2013, the Swans bus broke down. They also had to catch a tram to the MCG. Really? Yeah, so that's a fun thing. But um, but anyway, so yeah, but there, but yeah, so that was the that was it was bizarre that they were doing professional paid cricketing as early as yeah 18. When was it 18? As, yeah, especially in Australia, 18 or uh, during the 18 late 1840s. Yeah. Mm. Um, although I suppose considering that the gold rush was happening at a similar time, they probably had the money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the first match against New South Wales was in 1856. Definitely. The um, first tour by England was I think a few decades, a decade or so later. Yeah. Um, during that period, 
there were like 6,000 seats in the stands, yeah. but 45,000 people came <laughs> so to watch. That's, they, yeah, I'm trying in, to surpass everyone in there. In current population, that's like if 2 million people just decided to rock <laughs> up. Yeah. Uh, to go, like, we all rocked up to this, we rocked up to the G. If we all rocked up to the G, um, and then, yeah, then we're like, yeah, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Um, two million of us, you know, let's just watch some cricket. We better get there be early fine. if we want to get a seat. Yeah. Um, seating may not have improved that much. Um, <laughs> Still not as bad as Spotless Stadium. Oh, oof. But oof. yeah, that, that, would um, be, that, is, that is insane. 45,000 people to a, to a cricket match as well. That shows how popular it was. Yeah. Um, cricket was like enormously popular. It, it still is. Like, if you look at Melbourne, the, the MCG fills to capacity mm. every Boxing Day test. Mm. Yeah. You know, we've got two Big Bash teams that actually have followers. Yeah. Um, we've got, you know, cricket has still, like, got a home here. Yeah. Hence why we've still got the Melbourne cricket ground. Yeah. Um, and it's still regarded as that the Boxing Day test every, yeah. every, every Christmas. It's still regarded as one of the great, um, one of the great, uh, test in the world. They still yep. fo- that's still followed by people, cricket fans around the world. We're not the first to have the Boxing Day test, though. No, no. The first was South Africa. Yes. But due to apartheid and the fact that no one wanted to play games in South Africa, yeah. Um, we actually maintained continuity. <laughs> so when they tried to start up their Boxing Day tests again, yeah. they were like, oh, we take superiority, but the ICC ruled that Melbourne did. Yeah. Because... Because we were there, we we continued having Boxing Day tests mm. the entire time, and so people are saying, "Gee, this this uh, set, this Johannesburg looks a lot like Melbourne." I, yeah. I didn't know they had gum trees and koalas in South Africa. And yeah, no, no, it's totally legit. Well, you mentioned before about how the the first game at the MCG, one of the first games, the first time Australia played New South Wales, that was in New South Wales. But when it came down to Victoria, it was a total catastrophe. Uh, firstly, New South Wales couldn't... Again, there's a problem over the money. New South Wales... This is 1855, by the way. New South Wales couldn't afford to match New Ze- uh, Victoria's wage. So they're all a bit... They were a bit annoyed about that anyway, that they, their yeah. players couldn't get paid because New South Wales Victor- get Victorians paid. were like, just like, yeah, wherever, whoever you are, we'll take <laughs> you if you're good enough and we can give you the money. <laughs> I don't understand this new... It's, it's almost as if no one around here is getting paid to play cricket. What is so different about us? Yeah. Um, anyway... It was a terrible match. Uh, uh, according to most records, it seems that Victoria were all out in their first innings for 63. Oof. Which, even in those days, was poor. New Zealand, New, New, Zealand, New South Wales then came in and made 76 in their first innings. Not great either. And then Victoria made, have a guess. Oh, the second no. innings. Have a guess. <sighs> you could, Let's go like 150? Much less. Think, think, think about a 15th of that. They made 28 Jesus. in their second innings. Oh, no. So, between the pay dispute and the poultry scores, and unsurprisingly, we lost. They made seven. They lost seven wickets in 16 runs. You know you're in trouble when the, the wickets is almost as much yeah. as the runs. <laughs> um, there was also a notable dispute uh, after the umpires um, tossed and won... Um, they also, the Victoria won the touring costs for that first match in 1855, but the New South Wales thought, because they're the guests, they yeah, should... Yeah, they thought, yeah. they were like, no, we're the guests, we yeah. get to play. <laughs> it's rude. It's, uh, of course we should, you know, have a chance. Yeah, then the umpires ruled with New South Wales, <laughs> which is odd. Yeah, yeah. So it was all very confusing. But after that, cricket in um, cricket in Australia, cricket in Victoria kind of progressed and... and a bit more settled. One other interesting, fascinating thing, really, that uh, that that 
should get a mention is you mentioned before, as you said before, how uh, the history of Australia um, about, about the first the first match against uh, against England wasn't yeah. till the eighteen nineties or even when when about the eighteen seventies. Yeah, um, eighteen seventies, I believe. You're wrong. The first. Australian team to play a game against England, to play cricket against England, was actually in 1868, and was the Aboriginal cricket team, which toured. That was a rather phenomenal event, uh, which doesn't get nearly as much attention as it should. Uh, essentially, essentially, what it was it was it was like an exhibition match, I suppose. But mm. uh, but Charles Wills and Char- uh, just Charles Charles Lawrence and Tom Wills, Tom Wills, who was of course the the f- sort of inventor of football, yeah. and Charles Lawrence, who was quite a notable cricket player in that time, uh, put together a eleven man team of Indigenous players and toured six, I think it was six cities around England, um, and one one I think three of them. Oh, that's so that was uh, that's it's it's quite phenomenal to think that the first match Australia played against um, against uh, uh, England was actually was actually an all indigenous side. Yeah. yeah, So that's that's interesting. And then the 1870s, it was um, disgustingly when they got back the the colonial government passed a law which forbade an indigenous team leaving Victoria. That was after they'd left, and then from then on, it was only predominantly white teams until. Many decades later, but that's an interesting fact. The 1868 Aboriginal cricket team that toured England, um, and then a few decades passed, and then the Ashes came up. Nice. What uh, you probably know more about the Ashes? What was the, story um, the Ashes started? Well, they didn't start until after 1882 when Australia won a game of cricket, a Test match in. Um, sorry, the. The first test matches were in '76, mm. um, in in Melbourne. Right, that's where the first test match was played um, against England. But yeah, we didn't go over for a fair longer um, until was- until like 1882. Well, 1882 was when we won against the. Um, Oh, sorry, eight, 1877 was the first test match, I stand correct. Mm. Um, 1882, when when the Sporting Times posted a, after... <laughs> uh, we won, Australia won at the Oval, and then the Sporting Times posted a joke article being like, oh, English cricket is dead, the uh, the ashes, the body will cremate, be cremated and the ashes taken to Australia. How insulting is that? Yeah. Um, How melodramatic. So... And then the next series, um, the eighteen eighty two series played in Australia. Um, Ivo Bly, who is the ca- who was the captain of England, was like, "All right, we got to go regain those ashes." Mm. And so they won two of the three tests, and then um, Bly was given a, a small urn, mm. which is the iconic urn that you see today. It's not a trophy. It's not a trophy for the ashes. No. What it is is it's actually a personal gift. To Ivo Bly, yeah. given to him by a group of Melbourne women. So, but no one's too sure as to what's in it. No, every year someone has to be cremated for the ashes yeah. to fill the. And a cricket player has to. Yeah. That's so a, we're not sure what's gone into it. Um, allegedly, it was the ashes of a cricket ball, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it, allegedly, it's a wooden bale. Sometimes it's been a various cricket objects. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then, then now we've got this trophy. Um, it's which is like a, a crystal representation of the ashes urn. Yeah. 
um, because you know the the actual Ashes urn, which is like only six inches tall, um, is great. Is actually because it's a personal gift. It's not a trophy, and it's also really del- <laughs> delicate. It's made out of terracotta. Yeah, it's old. So you move it, you probably break it, and then you have a riot, and you don't want that. No. Uh, and so the Ashes are still being played to this day. In fact, still to this minute? Yes, still, uh, yes. Yeah, still to this minute, actually. I don't think we're allowed to broadcast the stores because that would technically be broadcasting, but go and check it out. Um, but yeah, no, there's, some, there's definitely some cricket going on. Yeah. Um, the fifth test of the Ashes series is actually on. Yeah. Um, going on in Sydney. Um, and I believe they've can, been played that, that arrangement pretty much the whole time, haven't they, from the original 1888 yeah, Ashes. So what they do is they play, they do what they call reciprocal series where they go... We go there, then we come here, then we go there. It's every 18 months. Sometimes it's a bit shorter, considering if they've got um, stuff like you like the um, World Cup, mm. the Cricket World Cup. Because if the Cricket World Cup is on, they will do it like together. Like It, it can happen in a year. Yeah. Like that's, what, that's what happened with our last Ashes series in um, 2014 to 2015 was our last one. So that's more than... Oh, there was one played over there as well, but like because but that was due to the Cricket World Cup happening soon after. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's brief. That's a, that's a pretty concise. And since then, cricket has uh, cricket has gone on to uh, to be still one of Victoria's biggest sports. The Big Bash has yeah, introduced. The I Big Bash has been introduced, which is twenty twenty cricket, which is yeah. which is a great thing to like. It's to try and get more people interested, considering mo- a lot of people don't. Um, don't do the whole test match thing. Yeah. <coughs> it's, it's also to give it so that it's uh, to, to try and um, not only to appeal to people who don't typically like cricket by making it fast, but also so that we can have games uh, under, finished in, in one, yeah. one, one day and also yeah. help, help. There are one-day games as well. Yeah. Um, the, there were three formats, actually. Four formats played in Melbourne. But the one of the formats is rare. Um, there is a domestic one day time, one day thing, but that's yeah. re- that's played in like one spot, mm. one city like every year. Yeah. Um, the Matador Cup. Um, we got the Big Bash, which is played at the G and Eddie had. Definitely. The Eddie had, interestingly, is meant to be in a replica of the G. Really? Yeah. The ground itself is meant to be a replica of the G, like size wise, because mm. they're not all consistent sizes. But no. the Eddie had is like. Eddie Hat is meant to be the same. It's yeah. meant to be like the same width and length oh. as the G. Never knew that. I, yeah, they I just thought it was slightly smaller. <laughs> no, it, it probably seems slightly smaller because it's not as open. Yeah, but it's it's supposed to be the same size. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we've got that. We've got Shield Cricket, Sheffield Shield Cricket, yeah. which is like first class, which goes over days in the state. Uh, and uh, and of course and of course every just international tests and first class tests. Um, we could talk about cricket all afternoon, Look, and yeah, we, we were going to talk about the Don, but f- forget it. That's 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 yeah. a Sydney thing. You have to wait till we do an international one. We're not talking about Don Bradman down here in Melbourne. Um, yeah, we could also talk about the Don, but also like he we got Steve Smith. Run. We got Steve Smith now. Yeah, he, he's yeah. second best. Exactly. Actually, Don who? He's actually the second best. He yeah. is like a living bit of Aussie legend. He's right the reincarnation now. of Don Bradman. <laughs> no, plus not as one. good. Not as good as Don Bradman though. Ah. Fair enough. 994. We'll see. 994. We'll see. All right. Anyway, uh, this that is, is Historically Speaking. Don't forget to let us know on Facebook. Uh, we'll be back right after this one. Yeah, this is Daryl Braithwaite, The Horses. You're listening to Historically Speaking. Good choice. And you're listening to Historically Speaking on Sin 
Nation um, with Alex and Andrew. I'm Alex. Um, and I'm Andrew. We're going to talk a bit about horses because yes. one of the major one of the major things in Melbourne is um, the Melbourne Cup. Yeah. That's um, why it's called a target. And a bit of a shameless cross promotion there. Um, um, but yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, horses. Melbourne has always had a long history with uh, with horse racing. Apparently, one of the first things that the early European settlers did when they arrived in Port Phillip Bay was uh, get their bullet carts to bullet carts to drive around in a racetrack, and they used they used old stagecoach carts for the grandstands. This eight, in 1835, Jeez. there was a racetrack established not far from where Flemington is now. Uh, using more or less the full length, using stagecoach cabins for the grandstands and a hat rack for uh, a, a hat rack for the for the finish line. So wouldn't that be an incredible image? It sounds yeah. like something had a fallout. So they um so the some poor chap who wanted to get to his hats had to wait till the end of the horse end end of the end of the race. The first Melbourne Cup, um, however, was run. Uh, quite a few, quite a few decades later. Than I, I think quite a few is a bit of. Uh, the first, the Melbourne Cup yeah. was the first Melbourne Cup, I believe, was won twice in a row. I believe it was yes. Archer. That's right, Archer. Yeah. Ar- yeah, Archer was the first one to win the Melbourne Cup. Um, um, Ar- interesting. Interestingly, I think Archer got lost on the way back. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, Archer got lost on the way. Yeah, Archer won the first. Um, uh, they walked. They walked uh, Archer to Flemington. Right. Um, uh, that was legend, but it it, it went on a ship. <laughs> um, How did you get a ship to Flemington? Anyway, they winch they winch them aboard the trip to Melbourne, and then they arrive back and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, they travelled again to second Melbourne Cup. Then they tried to. Um, oh, so they they due to a Victorian public holiday, the trainers. Ex- telegraphed acceptance form for the Melbourne Cup arrived late and he was scratched on a technicality. Ah. Um, but yeah, so that's... How, <laughs> and how? it only started with seven cups, um, which is interesting because it's like, you, you wouldn't think like two-time winner, Melbourne Cup winner. Nah, you can't do it. Your form was a day late. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. But the internet page crashed. Yeah. Oh, didn't you get the email? Yeah. We definitely put it in. Um, yeah, this that shows again how as, how laissez-faire sport was in Melbourne in those early days. We have one, we have players catching trams to grand finals and teams being rejected, horses being rejected because they didn't put their form in on time. Yeah, um, there's been a holiday there for like over a century. Really? Um, yeah. The um, first, like, eighteen sixty-one was the first. Eighteen seventy, there were two thousand people. 1880, there were 100,000 people for a race. Right. Um, originally, it was run on a Thursday. As early as 1865, it was a half holiday for public servants and bank officials. Yeah. So many of them closed at lunch to go watch the race. Um, <laughs> 18, 1873 was the first actual bank and public holiday. So... Right. So, yeah, that's, that's like, pretty, pretty amazing, considering, like... For like over 150 years, Austra- Melbournians have been getting the day off to watch a horse race. That's great. I love that. That's so. That's that's, that's the, even in those days when, when basically people were sustenance farmers and worked 18 hour days. Uh, still, th- this w- this was for those um those who were like professionals and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, if you were a subsistence farmer, you'd probably just go anyway. Well, even today, I mean, this horse racing is still a fairly fairly um, aristocratic. Upper class, well-to-do sport. It's yeah, n- it's not exactly the sport like, for the everyman and woman. Yeah, like 
it's sh- uh, horse racing is definitely one of those sports that's mm. not quite for everyone. When was the first Melbourne Cup actually run? I believe uh, eighteen sixty one. Eighteen sixty eighteen sixty one. Eighteen sixty one. So four years later, it took for them to, for you for them to get half a public holiday. <laughs> Hopeless. Uh, no, but I like I said, that's very interesting. Yeah. Um. Um, and uh, the first one who did eventually win, Archer, in, yeah. in, in, in the first one who won the first two was actually uh, won by six heads. So that's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, one by... One by sorry, sorry, I thought you say 1961 there for a second. No, 1861. Yeah, 1861. Won by five heads. The next year when he won, second time, it won by six heads. So which oh, is well, ridiculously... Maybe... What, why does he need another head for? <laughs> well, like well, you've that, got five. Maybe, yeah, it was like maybe one controls each leg. So And there's another one for navigation. So it's, it didn't work that and, and then now he's got six, so maybe it's just another one to control the tail. Yeah, maybe a lot of drag though, isn't there? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, Don't, but, not as streamlined as you'd want to. <laughs> no. Unless they're all just piled one on top of each other, not like a side around. Like some kind of like, yeah, formation. It's like just a of, mohawk of heads. That's <laughs> a, um, a terrifying mental image. Um, I'm going to go... Not sleep tonight. <laughs> the um, the biggest margin in the Melbourne Cup was actually eight heads. Oh really? Um, yeah, Who was that, that by? That was a, uh, that was by um, by a a horse. Um, his name escapes me. N- now that I think about it, Melbourne Cup, uh, which is interesting because like when you think racing, a lot of people think Farlap. Um, Farlap only won in there once. Yeah. Um, he won it obviously. Yeah. Uh, because it's Farlap. Um, Farlap was Farlap was an interesting horse, considering the fact that he was um, he was it was okay. Like he was, he was a big horse. Like yeah. don't get me wrong, he was he had huge. an amazing heart. Yeah, um, the heart's in the National Museum of Australia now, yeah. which we, is in Canberra. It should be fine, except that his body's now in the National Museum of Australia, it, in, it, uh, in the Melbourne Museum. It's in the Melbourne Museum, yeah. um, which is down here yeah, in Melbourne. They've got a very heartless display there. Um, it's it's actually quite interesting because it's. Um, huge. Although, no one's really sure as to why Farlap died. Mm. He was poisoned by arsenic. That's, I think, yeah. the general consensus. Um, the spe- speculation is whether it was arsenic that was used in a pesticide on the farm where it was held. Yeah, or whether or not, or whether or not it was just given to him. Like, yeah. as, um, whether or not it could have been, um, whether or not it could have been one of those ones where it was... Uh, Assassination. Try and take him out, kill the competition. Yeah. There's. A, I watched a documentary saying that he was killed and one that's saying he doesn't. Saying he deliberately murdered him, yeah. one that's saying he deliberately wasn't. And it's it's one of those mysteries whether or not he would have been murdered yeah. or not. There's no real. In, there was no real incentive for the. It was allegedly the American trainers. Some American trainers did it. There's no real incentive yeah. to do that though because he wasn't as strong in America and they would have had to. If they'd going to do that to Farlow, they would have had to do that to. Dozens of other horses. Um, the Tonic Book of Harry Trelford, the Farlap's owner, has a recipe for a general tonic which contains arsenic. Yeah. Arsen- arsenic was one of those things where it's like, yeah, it'll be good for you, probably. Exactly. I had some arsenic before the show. Yeah. Yeah. We do not endorse taking arsenic on this show. No, 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 no. That is a very poisonous subject. Do not go. Do not touch it because it can go through skin contact. Yeah. Anyway, um, but speaking of arsenic, uh, one other great sport that uh, is often <laughs> trying to not great at segways yet. One other great, one of the one other a huge sporting accomplishment of Melbourne. We can't really talk about sport in Melbourne without mentioning the Olympics in 1956. Yeah. The Olympics in 1956. All of it, except not 
the one event which was not held in in Melbourne in Melbourne which was equestrian a city famed for its horses couldn't allow horses <laughs> in uh, um, due to quarantine laws so yeah. back then you couldn't do blood tests so horses had to be here for like eight six months or something yeah. before before the Olympics which is a long time when you can't train your horse yeah yeah and so because of that they were like no nah, we're not going to bother with Australia no. So they held it in Stockholm instead. And a lot of the countries that wanted to participate were from Northern Europe and the sort of countries closer to Stockholm. Yeah. It is extremely far away, though. I mean, it would have been okay if they'd been neighbours, but instead they were. Um, uh. Instead they picked a country that was just about as far away on Earth as they could possibly get. But anyway, the 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 uh, apart from just the fact that apart from the fact that you know the Olympics were a huge economic boost and, a hu- and put Melbourne on the map, like so many other. Well, like the Olympics do wherever they go to a city. There were a few interesting developments, specifically for Melbourne. It was the first time we got TV for the Olympics. That was yeah. the reason why they brought that out in 1956, um, to, televise, to televise the, the, the sports. Neat. Uh, TV has changed my life, that's Indeed. for sure. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. still watch those 1956 Olympics every day. Oh, they're <laughs> beautiful. They're incredible. Um, the best but, ever. But yeah, the Olympics, that was the last Olympics held in Melbourne, second last held in Australia. Mm. It was the first held in Australia, though, as well. Um, although it will be a matter of time before they come back to Australia. Imagine that. I think Perth are haggling for it. <laughs> Good luck. The most isolated city on earth. <laughs> is it? Um, it was, uh, it was, yes, the opening date was on November 22nd and it closed on 8th of December 1956. Uh, in terms of medal tallies, there was one other interesting thing about the, uh, about the, um, the uh, the Melbourne Olympics. It was the first place where um, the first time where East Germany and West Germany competed together. Oh, did they compete as Germany? Yeah, as Germany. So that was quite oh. a binding moment. The USSR won with thirty-seven gold medals, twenty-nine oh, silver, and thirty-two bronze. Beat the Americans significantly, who had thirty-two gold, and then Australia came in thirteenth. Fourth, though, was Hungary with nine gold, ten silver, and seven bronze. And Hungary, that's quite an impressive effort because they were currently undergoing the Hungarian Revolution. Yeah. Um, Maybe it was just all the athletes tried really hard not to go back. Yeah, <laughs> they just were so desperate to, to win. Yeah, yeah, that they. Um, so that's that's a bit about a bit about the other miscellaneous sports yeah. in Melbourne. Now, before we go, that has been our first episode of Historically Speaking. Thank you for listening. Um, we are going to be here for the rest of the summer. Next week, we'll be tackling yeah. either sport, society, either society, art, or... Uh, crime. Crime. And we're not sure which one, but no. we'll, you'll have to listen next week to find we'll out. Listen next week. D- however, as a little uh, before we go, we do want to give you something fun to participate in. Ooh. We're going to... we got a little quiz. Yeah. So maybe if the person who gets the first... Per- the, well, every time if you enter these three answers and get all three right, you might go into draw and we might be able to provide a prize. Maybe. We'll talk about it all off here. The prize is your pride. Your prize, yeah. Your, your success at winning. But do it anyway. Just um, give us the answer. You, you get the pride of being, yeah. knowing the most. One of these questions is uh, related to something we talked about on the show. The other two are yep. just things about Melbourne sporting history that you just generally have to go and find out. Um, you know what the, do you have a question? Yeah. Uh, who was the most successful team post-World War Two in the AFL? Definitely. That's question one. We'll be posting that up. Question number two. Who won the 2011 Melbourne Cup? Um... And question number three, uh, what instrument did we say Brett Lee played in? Yeah, what, what instrument does Binger play? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we'll leave it there. You have been listening to Historically Speaking on Sin Nation. Find us next week back here. Um, we'll be uploading a podcast 
check it out. Definitely. Have fun. Have a good week. Maybe a bit of extra content or something. And yeah. uh, and and don't forget to like us on Facebook. Yeah, like us on Facebook. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash historically speaking radio. And please, word. please, one other thing as well. We we do really love your input. If you 